We're going to look again this morning at the church of Smyrna. And last week we began this, it's just a few short verses, but there's so much in here. I refuse to hurry, and there's a lot more Bible than I'm giving you about it. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you and get your, get your um, appetite wet to do your own studying, look deeper into the scriptures and find out what it has to say. The first church we looked at was Ephesus, and you remember with me they had a problem in Ephesus. They were hardworking, and the Lord commented on that. He commended that. But he said, here's the problem with your hard work. It's not for me. You've, lost, you've left your first love. And so we can be a busy, busy church with the wrong um, thrust and the wrong purposes and not be doing God's will. We need to be very careful of that. The second church out of the seven churches is Smyrna. And the, the name Smyrna comes from the word myrrh. You remember how that was used in the scriptures and the, brought to Christ at his birth to indicate the suffering he was going to go through as the Christ. And they gave him bitter, bitter drink on the, on the cross. When he said, I thirst, they stuck sponges bitter. And it, it's tied to the idea of myrrh, bitterness. And he rejected it. He spit it out. It was a painkiller, narcotic. And he wouldn't, he took, he took all of our pain, he took it all. And you read that how you want to, but that's, I believe that's what that means. So we now have this church in Smyrna, and again, it's just a couple of verses, let's read it again. In verse 8 of Revelation 2, Christ comes, as Christ speaking, he says, unto the messenger, unto the angel, and this word as I look it up in most of the churches, it means pastor, the pastor or teacher of a church. In Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Pray with me, would you, this morning. The Father, we just are so grateful that you've given us these warnings. you taught these truths. You've told us how it is and how it will be. And so, Father, we pray for the strength and the courage and the character to follow these ideas, to understand them by the power of your Holy Spirit, and then to implement them into our lives. Oh, help us, help us, Lord, not to leave our first love. Help us to suffer well when the persecution comes to the church and suffer on your behalf. And Lord, as we go through these churches, we just ask for the strength to do the things that you've called the churches to do. And so help us now look into these things, the things that you said, and help us to glean from that the strength and the understanding and the proof of our life 
that we might serve you well. That we might be a blessing to the kingdom, and not only to the kingdom, Lord, but those in this day, in our time, that are in our local communities, our workplace, our home, our neighbors, our friends, our family. Lord, help us to be strength and light. And for those that reject it, Lord, keep them out of our way. They can live their own, they can have their own, but you've called us to share the light. And so, Lord, we ask for the strength and the understanding, the power to do that through these teachings. And we thank you that they're from you and of you. And, Lord, through you, we'll be able to shed light in a dark place. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for who we are because of you. Bless our time here this morning by your presence and by your teaching and by the Holy Spirit's free movement among us as we put the things of this world out for this hour. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, folks, this is wonderful stuff. And I hope you see with me how wonderful this is, that this Christ, again, I repeat myself, I know I do, I do it on purpose, the qualified messenger. Chapter 1 of Revelation is a lot of things, but it is the qualifications of the messenger. Him saying this, I am the one who knows, I am the one who will instruct you, I am the one you will bow to, and if you do these things, you shall be blessed. Supremely happy. Blessed in all these things. Now, I'm a preacher that preaches this, and a lot of uh, my friends say that I'm wrong to say so. Uh, not a lot of them, several. Some have said, you're wrong to say this, but I'm going to continue because I've prayed about it and I believe it. You can be a Christian. Listen carefully. Uh, this is honest truth. You can be a Christian and still be living outside the full blessing of Jesus Christ. You can be a Christian and live outside the full blessing of Jesus Christ. He can't, he can't bless some things. And though we're saved and we live in rebellion, we're not going to be the things and have the things and live the life that the Bible describes, particularly at the mouth of Jesus Christ. Blessed are they that do these things. If you don't do these things, you'll not be blessed in that particular way. Will you go to heaven when you die? Yes, you will. If you're really born again, you go to heaven. But you'll go with less than you could have had. And so will I. And so we look here some more. Last week we looked at the tribulation uh, aspect. We looked at, in verse 9, he said, I know thy works and thy tribulation and thy poverty parenthetically there, but thou art rich. He said, you need to understand this. You may have given all you have to the outside to bring him into the church, and I see that. You may have taken everything you have and, and in the name of Christ given it to other people to build the church. And he said, I see that. And you think you have nothing left. He said, oh, you're so rich you don't even know it. You sent your treasures ahead and one of these days when you come home, you're going to be one of those wealthy people in rewards in heaven. Isn't that nice? The Lord said, I know all about it. And the fact he says, I know, he says, I know there in, in his verse, and I know the blasphemy. He said, I know, I know. In verse 9, he knows. 
He knows the works, the tribulation, the poverty, but you're rich and the blasphemy. Now that that blasphemy is vilification. To make to make villains of Christians. And that's what the world does today. It's ramping up on that so hard now. If you're a Christian, you're vilified by much of the world and much of the quote-unquote elite who are really scum who want to vilify Christians and mock you and tear you down because they know this. This is the one thing they can't fight, the power of God. The one thing the underworld, nefarious of the world can't fight. They can make you afraid. They can make people afraid. They can take your money. They can stop things. They can absolutely make it where you can't buy groceries, whatever it is, but they cannot stop the power of God. And the thing that they hate the most is they can't take away the peace of God. Praise God. That's the answer. They hate that. I'm here to scare you. And you're not scared? Well, take away everything you got. It's all his anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take your life. It's all, I don't have a life. They hate that. What do you do with a guy like that? Well, honestly, through the years, they never killed those people. They threatened to take away their life, and they said, my life was taken away 22 years ago. The 5th of May, I gave my life to Christ. It's not mine anyway. You can have it. If he's allowing this, he must be done with it. You can have it. Now listen, folks. The vilification, or he knows the blasphemy, the vilification, especially against God, the evil speaking, the railing of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan, that is the church of Satan today. In our vernacular, that would be the church of Satan. And that read different to me when I started preaching, but now they actually come out with, and they have the church of Satan that they brag about, and they're fighting it now in one of the states I saw, and it's bigger, it's bigger than the Christian churches in the area and drawing more members, and uh, they want to indoctrinate the children with this, and that's the fight, and guess what? They're doing The school board's on board. Absolutely. The school board is on board. You know why? They're evil. <laughs> Folks, we need to get to past this thing of, oh, oh, is that, what you, is that your life? Don't say anything negative. I'm not. I'm positive. They're evil. They're nasty. They're vile. They're anti-Christ in spirit. There's no, there's no, if, if you have this namby-pamby thing about what's right and what's wrong, stick your nose in the book here and let the Lord tell you one more time, these things are wrong. These things are wrong. And, and people say, you, you know, you better quit preaching that. They don't like it. Yeah, really? They don't like it? You know, who, you know who hates to be called out? The bad people. You want to come and stand up here, walk up that aisle, get right in my face and go, I think you're a heterosexual. I say, whoa, be careful now. Ow. I think, I think you believe the word of God. Oh, look out. But you walk up and talk to someone gender confused who doesn't believe the Bible, and that's, oh, you can't say that. Well, you can say what I am. I'm good with that. I'm a one man with a wife who loves the word of God. Call me that all day long. I'll take that. Write it down. Carve it on my tombstone. I hope that's on my tombstone. He believed it. This one believed it. Do I live and fall down sometimes? I do. 
my heart and my soul and my spirit believe this book right here, the Bible, the Word of God. I believe it. And I believe not only is the truth going to come at the end of our life, it's going to come in the exact wording that God gave us. These are the words. These are the words. I've had three preachers this last year tell me, how dare you teach the kingdom of God? How dare you teach the kingdom? Well, Christ taught the kingdom, and they go, well, that was before the resurrection. Take, look, at verse, look at the first six verses, eight verses of the book of Acts, and it said Christ came and taught the kingdom for 40 days. The kingdom, to, after he was risen again, to, the, to his disciples going to start the church, the birth, the conception of the church, Pentecost, and then the last chapter of that book of Acts, Jesus came and taught the kingdom for 40 days. Right. And said, don't none of you leave. None of you leave. Don't go out yet. You don't know enough to talk about it. You know just enough to go out there and someone will run you in a hole and you won't be able to answer and look silly. Now let me teach you the kingdom of God. He taught them the kingdom. He taught them the kingdom for three and a half years and they didn't understand it because they didn't know what he was talking about. After he rose from the dead, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And it all got clear in their mind. They were confused about this going to the cross and dying in three days and three nights. They were confused about those things. Brand new ideas. And how can the man who can steal a storm walk on water and raise the dead, how can he die at the hands of these guys? Well, it wasn't because he couldn't stop it. It's because he wouldn't stop it. They couldn't get that down. And they kept asking about this kingdom, when it's going to be ushered in. He said, you're looking at the wrong kingdom. I am not here to overtake Rome. I'm here to save the world, a different kingdom. When he was questioned by Pilate at the end of his life, the very last days, he said, are you king of the Jews? He said, oh, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, I'd fight you, and I'd take you down. Not of this world. No. He said, when, when my kingdom comes, this world's going to be very different going to be new, all brand new. Until then, you have to trust me by faith. That's the gospel. That Jesus died according to the scriptures. That he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. The first five verses of 1 Corinthians 15. That's the gospel. Now, I, I read it on Caitlin in my first hour. I'm going to do it again. She brought me a book. Did you order this for me? Yeah, that, okay. She said, Dad, I got a book I want. You, I think you'll like. What if Jesus was serious? I don't know if that was a comment on my ministry. But it's what I've believed for years. Is that what you meant by that? <laughs> yeah. And so you go through here, and it's just little, little short little chapters of what uh, uh, if Jesus was serious, then peace is costly but worth the price. If Jesus was serious, then we will love the people who annoy us every day. So, Alex is in. <laughs> if Jesus was serious, then we will value intimacy more than publicity. And it's talking about the social media of today, and I'm defined by social media lovers, or defined by 
their followers and Christians, real Christians, are defined by the one they follow. And it goes on and on. And it's true. Every one of those are true. Very good. I love to sit and read this in the evening and just look through them and just grab phrases and look at it. But 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 question is this. Suppose suppose this now. Get your wild imagination going. God gave you one. Most of you use it wrong, but get your wild imagination out and figure this out. What if Jesus was serious? What if what is said in that Bible is actually what he meant? And what if he meant, not only did I say it, when I come back, I'm going to enforce those ideas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enforce that. And if he didn't do what I said, there's going to be price to pay. And I know that you are especially smart and handsome and nasty, but guess what? I don't think so. I think you're like everybody else. You can't live before me and say that I'm your Savior and not have me for Lord. I get shot for that statement from even family members. You can't live before Christ. He said, what? Why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? What's the confusion here? Why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and not doing the things I say? I'm not your Lord. And, and, and people shoot at John MacArthur all the time and, and, and do what you want with him, but guess what? I agree with him on this. He doesn't have a divided office. Christ does not have. He is not Savior and not Lord. You read the second book, the second chapter of Acts, and Peter said, you come to Christ as Savior and Lord. You take him as Savior and Lord. What does Lord mean? He owns me. That's not my money. That is not my house. I'm responsible for what I do with what he gives me and how I treat the one he gave me. That is what I'm responsible for in my home. What I do with what he gave me and how I treat the one he gave me. That's right. That's what I'm responsible for. Because he's my Lord. And every morning I have to, at least in my mind and heart, stand before him, open the word of God and say, Lord, here am I. What will thou have me to do today? You're my Lord. You're my... You'll take it from a boss, grudgingly, for money. Oh, you'll stand with the coffee, your coffee machine, and doing some, washing some cups now and then, and grumble because they won't expect you to do this and do that. But you do it because there's money involved. But I'll tell you something else. There's more than money involved with obeying him. Praise God. Lord, I'm yours. Oh, I'm yours. What would you have me do? Just tell me. Just tell me. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that. I know no one is, but I'm saying this. It should be the attitude of every real honest Christian. It should be. And so he says, I know your poverty. I know your tribulation, your works, and your poverty. And again, we looked at the last church, which I believe is the church of our day, the church of Laodicea. And he said, you think you're rich, but you're poor. This church, he said, you think you're poor, but you're rich. He goes to Laodicea and goes, you're all fat. you all got all the stuff. you got big houses. you got a lot of money. And you come once a week and sit in the house and hear lies about me. And you think you got it going on. And he said, you're going straight to hell. You think you have it all and you've got nothing. You haven't changed one thing for me, but you're living off the fat of the land like you're a big dog. Guess what? He said, that's nothing. you got nothing. you got nothing. He said, I counsel you this. You better buy from me gold that's been tried in fire. 
you better get some eye salve so your eyes will be able to see some things. You better straighten up and come to me. Oh, this is wonderful. And so last week we moved very quickly through this, Matthew 13 and 24. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, I repeat this for a reason, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. An enemy hath done this. The servant said to him, Wilt thou that we should go and gather them up? And he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you shall root up the good wheat also. Let both grow up together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Again, I want to say, people have said to me through the years, Why don't you run that skunk out of the church? Why don't you get her out of here? Why don't you get him out of here? Why don't you go up there and just dress him down and run him out? Can I tell you, because the Lord said no, and this reason, they might be converted. That's right. There have been a lot of people coming here and trying to shut me down. A lot of people. But here's what I'm going to tell you, why I've told them all these years, I haven't changed one word of my statement from the time I started preaching. This is what we're doing here. If you want to join this, Come. If you want to be something else, go. Go somewhere else and take your ideas somewhere else. If you, if, you, if you want to bring ideas that we can work with, that's fine. But if you want to go your way and you want to change everything, we're not interested. We have one goal here, and that is to get the Word of God to people. One goal, to get the Word of God in its entirety, in its um, truth, and to people. And I've had a lot of people come and... It ended in two or three weeks, maybe a month, and they're they talking about taking over and shutting me down. And I said, if you can shut me down, you should. If you can walk in here with your squirreliness and shut me down, shut the church down, then power to you, that should happen. But I'm not going to step aside. Just walk away. The deacons know the names I'm talking about, and we've had some problems, but they all left. And the pastor called me one day and said, this guy is too tearing my church up, blah, 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 what do you do? I said, you're the shepherd. What are you going to do with a wolf? Don't pet him. Don't pet him. You drive a rock between their eyebrows, and they'll, I'll tell you what, they're either going to drop dead or run out. They're going to do one or the other. What do we do? What do we do when the synagogue of Satan, and this, by the way, let's, let's just say this today. When we're reading it says they say they are Jews and are not, we can translate that very safely to say they say they're Christians and are not. They come to church and say they're Christians and they are not. Now here's what the Bible says. It isn't a, it isn't a super saint that looks at them and knows the difference. It's this. The Lord said, by their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits you shall know them. And when people come in here and have come in here in any other church, it's really a church, 
and they're not really saved, they're there just to stir up trouble. Now let me tell you something. This is where I want to say some things to you that fit into the system today. This is Satan's method. It's his plan. And he's worked it from the garden until the Lord comes back. If you see with me, open your eyes and look at the word. It says you've left in the first church. The condemnation was you've left your first love. In this church, there are people who say they're Jews or Christians who are not. This will follow through, I guarantee you, the next five churches we look at. Here's what happens. It's called, the one word that we look at, how Satan works, he's working today, it's called infiltration. You believe it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's infiltration. And so the first group came into the Ephesus church, and they had the, the, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine. The deeds, I'm sorry. The deeds of the They were doing things of the Nicolaitans. That is Nicolaity. That is to lord over the people, the laity. To, to lord over, to conquer the laity. So they were big shots. I'm wearing the suit and the tie, the robe. I'm, I have the scepter. I have the hat. I'm up front. You listen to me. That is not what we're about here. I am the vessel, but I want you to hear the word of God. It's not about me. I'm a terrible, dismal failure at living righteously. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And so the first church, he said this, they're going to come in and want all the glory and all. everybody look at them. The second church, he says this, there are people in there who say they're one thing, but they're not. Both, and as we go through the other churches, it's the word infiltration. Now, that's how Satan always worked. It's how he works now. And he'll continue to work that way. So what did the first group want to do? They wanted to run the church. If you have something in you that wants to run the thing, instead of be part of the action, be part of the movement, but you want to run the thing, you're sick. You're mentally ill. You're spiritually ill. You're sick. You need a doctor, and his name is Jesus. And so the first group came in who wanted to run the church. The second group came in who wanted to ruin the church. And, George, and he says, this is a progression. The Lord said, watch the progression here. They get in there and they want to run the show by standing up and saying, we're this, we're this, do that. The second group comes in saying, we're this. It's a different idea. It's a lie. But they want to ruin the church of Christ. They want to come in being, saying something they're not. Now, at the, at, the, um, at the risk of you people shooting at me, I want to make a couple statements. And um, I don't care if you shoot at me anyway. I'm not gonna, I know what I think, and I want you to just hear it and do what you want with it. Three people I have seen recently, three people in, in high government offices, very visible, have said, I'm switching my party. I'm switching party lines. I don't buy that for a skinny second. What I think is, I see my party not going to win, and I'm going I'm to be elected. I'm going to do what I'm doing now under another title. That's what I believe about it. You believe what you want. You believe all the good people you want in the politics. They're so rare. But these people saying, oh, I see the light. And you look at their policies through all the years. Couldn't be darker. 
and they say they see the light. Now that's one thing, and that can happen. That would be great. But here's what they're really, watch the interviews. They're nervous and shifting back and forth. They're saying this, and we had it here in our own state this last couple of years, run under one title and get elected and do the other, the other title's job. I don't care who you vote. I don't care who you vote for because you're going to answer before Christ. I'm not about that. I'm about this. Infiltration. It's infiltration. Now, Janet and I watched a video the other night and um, was brought to our attention. And I'm going to ask you to write this down. If you have a pencil or your phone and you can, and you can put it in your notes, I want you to see what I've been preaching about for years come to life. I want you to see it and hear it. You may have already. I don't know, but... This is called enemieswithinthechurch.com. Enemieswithinthechurch.com. Look that up. YouTube that or whatever you do. Enemieswithinthechurch.com. And it is a documentary mostly about the Baptist church. And you think, well, they picking on the Baptist. No, it's because they were the ones who stirred firm in some of the things that got infiltrated in the last years. It says other churches, it says other denominations. I'm not denominationally driven at all, but this says to those who want to call themselves Baptists, that's a big deal to them, and blah, blah, blah. There's been infiltrated in the last few years, and I want to say this to you. The head of the Southern Baptist Convention was, in succession, Adrian Rogers and Charles Stanley. Now, the things that they brought in since then would not stand with those men in there. It wouldn't happen. But I'm telling you, watch the video. And now the things that the world is, the world is promoting, they've adopted those policies and are kicking people out of the church left and right because, well, come on. You know what they're saying? The world count. They're saying this is outdated. You can't believe this. This is outdated. This is fresher than the morning news because it, didn't, it hasn't happened yet. This is, <clears throat> come on. We're watching it happen. Before our very eyes in real time, we're seeing the destruction of the Church of Christ. Before our very eyes. And it's because of one word, it is because of ignorance. Ignorance of the people in the churches, of the scriptures and their meaning and their strength. And because the infiltration of people who are not Christians who are heading, heading these organizations now. You can't be. You watch, that, you watch that video and you'll know a lot more about what I've been trying to tell you. I'm saying this. I could not stand in good faith behind this pulpit and say the things those men are dogmatic about. I couldn't do it. Not as a Christian. Because they're lies and they're nefarious. They're lies with an evil intent, an evil push, an evil thrust. It's the infiltration of the dark side into the church. Now, the other thing I have to say is the Bible has been telling me that since I've been studying the Bible. It's going to happen. And it's happening. And so here's what we have. The infiltration. They want to run it. The sex, this, this second church wants to ruin the church. But the Lord said... You let those liars come in and, and sit in church. 
You don't give them a place to run the church. You don't allow them any strength of the church, but you let, they might hear the word of God and by chance be saved. When do I get them out? He said, oh, when I come back, we'll, we'll straighten those things out. But pastor, friend, let me tell you something. If you're not preaching to a strong enough congregation to take care of the problem themselves, you have a problem. And I would have a problem. I don't think this church has that problem. Listen. Here's what Paul said in Romans 2 and verse 28. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart. So I make this statement and, and read this out loud. People look at me like I'm making this up. Romans 9 and verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect... For they are not all Israel, which are Israel. Now listen, that's a big statement. So he, he clarifies it now. Romans 9 and 7 says, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, very carefully, that is, listen now, they which are the children of the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. You get it? Not everyone that says there's something or can even, even claim a national heritage is what they say they are. A lot of imposters in the world. A lot of imposters. I love to see this. I'm going to call Alex out by name. Uh, my son. This is my, this is my group. My son-in-law, my son, my other son, and, and the families. I love to watch young men go out and get in the working world and watch their faces fall. Because I'm going to tell you something about the working world. There's a lot of mask wearing. There's a lot of phoniness. There's a lot of laziness. There's a lot of you do it for me and, and pay me your salary, the extra salary for doing it. There's a lot of that in the world. And to anyone who has any character or any ethic at all, it's very frustrating. Yeah. It's hard to come home at night and be nice. I, for me, I fought that and I came home and my, my kids said, wasn't nice. I was nice, I came home. It's hard, it's hard to look at the Word of God, believe the Word of God, try to implement the Word of God, and go see what the real world wants to talk about and what they want to run after. The dichotomy of thought between those two things makes me go from 8.30 to 9 o'clock like, oh man, wow, this is not at all what the Lord said. People want to talk about money, 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 money. Stop. Just why don't people stop? Why don't they just shut it? Stop. Stop. Stop it. I've had people come and sit in my office. Home falling apart, business, marriage, money flying out their pockets and out there, just stuffed everywhere. That is not folks where happiness is. You get happy in Christ. You get, the, you get Christ in your house as the center of the head. You learn to love each other like you're dating again. I'm telling you something. Money is nothing more than just, it's just icing on the cake. Then you can do the nice things together. You know what money does to a couple who don't like each other? It creates a bigger battle. You hire better attorneys. You fight. You spend more on That's all it is. I can look around at you and say, there's nobody here that doesn't have enough. Nobody here would think, you better eat, you're going to die. 
There's nobody in our congregation that way. You better take some nourishment. You better have another bowl of ice cream. I'm telling you this. It is so obvious from the Word of God that Christians overlook it and go, eh. And I'll tell you how you know if you believe this or not. The teaching of it will put you to sleep. I started studying this in Romans, and Paul said, if you teach the Word of God and it strikes home with the heart of a fleshly person, the spirit of slumber takes over. <laughs> I used to have a man in church here <laughs> that I had to wake him up now and then because I couldn't preach over his snoring. And I get that. Again, I want to read you this as we look at this passage. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught, this is Paul, many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Amen, brother. You want to know what this life is? It's a war. It's a battlefield. It's a war. And we want it to be easy. I hope I weigh five pounds more next year, don't you? I hope I have all the luxuries of the world and I eat everything I can possibly get. I hope that I have so much money that I never have to even consider what I do. Don't you hope that? Why don't you hope that? Because God said, get as fat and as dumb as you can. What he said was, you're in a battle. You're in war. We go to heaven one day and guess what? Well done is if you cleaned your plate five times a day. That's not well done. Well done is you saw a need and you gave when it hurt. You gave till it hurt and you gave when it hurt and you gave what you didn't have. And he said, oh, look at, look at the bank account up here I have for you. All that you gave them to help them to show the light to the world. All of that came ahead and, and the interest on that has been building for a lifetime. Well done. You find you you tell me where in the, in the gospel Jesus talks about people and says, "Oh, you're such a good, slothful, lazy servant." Oh, that's that's something I'm looking for. Or the church going to suffer in this world if we're honest. Confirming the souls. That's Acts 14 and 21 and 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom. John 16 and 33, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. You might. In the world you shall have tribulation. You shall have tribulation in the world, not an option. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then the one we all know, and we say we believe it, and I wonder if we do. Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's three steps to that. Deny yourself. That's the biggie. It's not about you. It's not about how nice you have it. It's not about how smart you are, how accomplished. Take up your cross, an instrument of death, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or, is that hard to listen to? The second question, 
Let's say it this way. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There is a lot of scripture that talks about taking ease while we're here. And the Lord said, this is not a time for ease. There's going to be a lot of time. You drive by the cemetery and you look at people buried last century, still their bones are still there. They've got a lot of rest since they're a hard labor. A lot of rest. And so he says this now, and we'll be done. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. James 1 and 12 said, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You don't get it. You don't get, you don't get it because you're a Christian. You get it because you love him. We saw this morning in the, in the first hour that the people that are going to die and go to hell when the Antichrist comes are the people who refuse to love the truth. It said they would not love the truth. They're going to perish because they received a lie. The next statement just buckles it in and says this. The Lord said, you believe a lie? I'm going to send a strong delusion that you'll believe that lie. You know what the lie is? It's all about you. You're the king. You're on the throne. You're God. Folks, if you don't see the world that I'm talking about now, I don't know what you do. But it's all around us. There was a young man not long ago in the news who went in and killed a bunch of people. And when they asked him the question why he did it, he said, I am the law. What I say is the law. And I have no guilt, I have no shame. That started in the 60s in this country in the biggest way. Free. You know what you know America taught when I was a little boy? The mother should be free from taking care of the family. The father should be free from the responsibilities of the job. And the kids should be free from any restraint. That's what they start teaching. They start singing about it. It's in lyrics of songs. It's in the, people ran on those tickets in government positions. You need your freedom. You need to be free from a moral code. America, free from a moral code. And you know what they did? They did just that. And the Lord says, you'll reap what you sow. And we have, a, we have a generation now of unloved children. Yeah. They're unloved. They're undisciplined. They're unrestrained. And they walk in theaters and shoot people because they are the law. We have marriages falling apart left and right because it's, the moral code is gone. And I want to tell you something right now. I beg people, tell me the truth when I'm marrying them. If you're not going to stand right here before me, if you're not going to stand right here and say that's God's word, I'm making an oath to a holy God, if you don't believe that, I don't want any part of your wedding. I want nothing to do with it. Praise God. And you know, I told people, I'm I'm not marrying you. I'm not going to marry you. And all the parents call me and say, you're making fun of my kids. I said, no, I'm trying to teach them something that you failed to do. It is not funny. The Lord said, if you make an oath before me, you better keep it. I'll tell you something else. He said, you let your yeas be yeas and your noes be noes. And that's it. He said, you might as well wash your mouth. Don't make too bold of statements. But when you swear to me, 
The Lord said, I have no pleasure. I'll take no pleasure in a, in a person who takes back their oath. But the 60s, I grew up in it. People started taking off their clothes. Man, I, I saw some, uh, Vietnam was going on. I had a brother over there. I'm watching the news. I got to tell you what, I was confused. I didn't know what I was seeing. I thought, what's going on? I was in a home. I was in a home that had nine children, and then all of a sudden, we had 12 children and two parents. And I'm going to tell you, we had more modesty in that home than most people have with a few. You do whatever you do. You close the door. And you don't come out there without clothes on, and neither do you, and we don't come to the table without a clothes on. You go and do what you're going to do, and you do it in the privacy of your space, and it's not for everybody. There are lines and limits, and there are codes. I got to tell you, it shocked me to grow up in the world, and I'd go visit people and do things, don't even close the door. Don't, I, I just like, what are you doing? We live free here. I said, you live free of one more thing, and that's my presence. I'm not going to be around nasty people. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That was a plan, and it was executed well. Free love. Love was never supposed to cost anything. But that's not what they're talking about. That's the infiltration of nefarious ideas. Love was never supposed to cost anything. Love is the one thing God said is free. It's like a smile. It's the only thing you can give and give and give and doesn't cost you anything. And yeah. Love is not supposed to cost something. But when it's free of restrictions of moral code and character, it costs everybody. And so we have in this generation a bunch of kids. Don't tell me you don't know who I'm talking about. A bunch of kids who are a drain on our finances and a, and a drain on the society as a whole because we've been set free. Free from what? Free from the moral codes. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he will receive a crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them who love him. Listen now to 2 Timothy for a moment. 2 Timothy 2 and 11. This is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Did you die with Christ in your mind when you got saved? Did you die with him? That's what, the, that's what the baptism is all about. You don't get any more salvation from getting wet. You're not any more of a Christian when you get baptized than you were before. You're not loved by God any more that you're wet than you were when you're dry. But you're standing to the whole world saying, I'm, I'm identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That me that came to Christ is dead. That me that was restored and revived and saved is alive. That boy that was born in 1958 to a family that had his own way as much as he possibly could is dead. Oh, he's not completely dead. He, he keeps rearing up at me. But I'm signifying this. I died with Christ when I got saved. This is the beauty. This is the crown of life to them that love him. This is what it means. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Why would you get a crown if you're not going to be a, if you're not going to reign somewhere? Crowns are for kings. If we deny him, 
He will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he that abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. I've had more people say, what is that about? Read it carefully. Here's what it says. If we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. That's clear. If we deny him in a time of suffering, he'll deny us in a time of reigning. There are going to be different stratas in heaven. There are going to be people reigning and ruling over subsets of saints. And if you want to reign, if you want a crown, if you want to hear well done when you die, he said, you better learn to suffer with me. Remember what Paul said about second, uh, second chapter of Philippians, 10th verse? He said, before that, he said, I've had all of these things in my lifetime as achievements, and I count them as dung, as manure, that I may win Christ. And then he says in the 10th verse of second Philippians, he says this, the reason is that I may know him. That's an intimate knowledge. I may be very intimate. And the, the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. That's Christianity. That's a Christianity that doesn't preach anymore and it's not believed by very many, but that's what Christianity is according to Paul. And he says, I say this by the teaching of Jesus Christ. All right. All right. He that hath an ear, let him hear. What are we going to hear? He that overcometh shall not be hurt the second death. You know what the writer of Hebrews said? We're done this morning. It, don't worry, I'm not starting a new deal. He says this now. Hebrews 10 and 34 says, For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, the writer of Hebrews, you had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Now, that's something. You believe something, the world's mad about it, the government says you can't believe that, and they come and take all your stuff, and they say, you grinned at them when they came and said, take it. Take it. Are you going to do that? Knowing in yourselves that you have a heaven, what that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. If it became against the law tomorrow to believe, and they say, if you do it, we're going to come take all your stuff. The writer of Hebrews, I believe it's Paul, it doesn't matter, it's the Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews said, you had compassion on me and joy when you were spoiled. That's the Christian heart. Take it. Oh, you're taking my crock pot? Uh, really? Now I would sit on the toilet make them work for that one. Could we do it? Paul and Silas were put in stocks. Not socks, stocks. Their feet were sticking out and their head was in there. That would not be comfortable. There's too much here to hear for me to breathe in that position. Yeah, trimming toenails is a... <gasps> so, they were in stocks for what they believed. And at midnight, they started singing hymns. 
Is that what you would do in stocks when they were going to cut your head off tomorrow morning? Hey, Silas, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Isn't that good? If heaven's not my home, Lord, what will I do? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And they started singing hymns in those stocks. And the Bible says the Lord sent an earthquake. And it broke the stocks off of them. And they stood up. And it busted all the cell doors free. And the Roman soldier saw it. And he got up and started to stab himself. Started to kill himself. Because if they were escaped, they were going to kill him. And he wanted to die at his own hand. And Paul said, don't do that. He stopped his hand. He said, don't do that. Everybody's here. No one left. You hear what the soldier said? What must I do to be saved? It wasn't matter with you singing at night. What's the matter with you singing hymns when you're going to die in the morning? And Paul said, well, here's, here's a little twist in my ministry. I actually believe it. I believe I'm going to go home tomorrow and all this is done. And I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Henceforth it laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He talks about a crown of life. A crown. Let me several crowns the Lord gives. The suffering church. Do, you, do we believe it? Well, we may get to find out who believes what. But I'm telling you this. This book means exactly what it says. Absolutely, every word in here, absolutely. You have family members that don't believe it. That's sad. That is so sad. Parents, your one obligation before Christ is not an education, it's not clothing, it's not, although those are part of parenting, the one obligation parents have is that the children understand what this book says and are not blindsided by the events to come. Everything from the Antichrist to the judgment seat of Christ. This is a one parent, this is one obligation. And the Bible says no matter what you do, you can give your kids money, you can give them homes, you can give them education, you fail completely if they don't walk away from your house understanding what this means. Total failure. I've had people leave the church over those statements. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why we're here promote the kingdom of God. Father, we just thank you this morning. We all we ask your blessing so much. We can barely fathom the blessings you've given us already and so much which, which adds up to everything that we have is from you. Help us to see clearly who you are and because of that who we are. Father, help us to take the message to a dark place, to this world, a light shining. Help us mostly to be that in our own families. Teach our children what it means to be found in Christ. What it means to be a real Christian. Not a Sunday morning Christian, not someone who gives some money and sits in the pew. But someone who says, Lord, here am I. You're my Lord. What would you have me to do? Father, we ask now your blessing on each life, each family. The prayer requests that we've had and ongoing here. We'll pray in a few moments, but Lord, we just want you to know that we believe you.
We believe you're the one who can fix it. And you're the one who already has. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.